lot can be at stake for organizations that react too slowly or even too quickly when addressing a crisis. I'm Edward Siegel, a leadership strategy senior contributor for Forbes.com and author of the best-selling and award-winning book, Crisis Ahead, 101 Ways to Prepare for and Bounce Back from Disasters, Scandals, and Other Emergencies. As recent events have shown, speed is an important factor when responding to a crisis. A good example is the Federal Emergency Management Agency and how quickly it has jumped into action in the aftermath of recent floods, hurricanes, and other damaging nature-related events across the country. How prepared is your agency or business to react in a timely manner to a crisis? My guest today is Rick Alcantara, a crisis communication expert. He'll discuss why the speed at which companies and agencies respond to a crisis can help or hamper efforts to resolve the situation. Well, thanks for joining me today on Crisis Ahead, Rick. Sure. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, tell me, why does speed matter when responding to a crisis? Well, the situation can really uh, unravel pretty quickly if you're not prepared and uh, if you don't have uh, a plan in place and you're not anticipating uh, what could go wrong, uh, the worst possible thing could go wrong. Is it possible to respond uh, too quickly to a crisis? And if so, why? Yeah, I think so. If you are speculating, if you are just kind of guessing, if you don't have the facts, you can make the situation a lot worse. Um, so I think if you just jump into it without having the data uh, or the information or having uh, people on the ground who are telling you what's actually happening, uh, you really could make it a lot, lot worse. And what are the potential dangers for responding too slowly or, or not at all? Well, first of all, you, you, you definitely have to respond. I think in uh, today's environment, especially with social media and the kind of instant uh, response rec that people expect, you need to really respond. And, and no comment, of course, as you know, is, is never an option because, of course, you certainly look uh, guilty. Um, but if you delay too long um, and you're not speaking for yourself, somebody else is going to speak for you. It could be disgruntled employees. Uh, it could be the media. It could be a regulator, law enforcement. Um, you want to kind of get out early. You want to kind of just start kind of articulating, you know, what your position is, uh, if you have one, or kind of and talk about what you know about the situation. And if you're not saying it, like I said, somebody else could be saying it for you. So, Rick, do you think there's a direct correlation between the speed in responding to a crisis and the ability to control the message and the crisis? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think, uh, first of all, you can reduce uh, speculation and rumors. You get uh, much greater control of the situation by being prompt, um, potentially even reducing losses, financial or otherwise. Um, you have a chance to kind of shape the narrative of what the, the, the media is going to be saying. Um, you can kind of reduce the chances that the situation will escalate. Um, you provide your team leaders time to kind of implement measures. Uh, your stakeholders, I think, will trust you more when they kind of hear it from you, you know, very quickly. Um, I think the failure, though, um, if you're not getting out there uh, quickly, uh, is that you may be responding defensively to media questions. Um, third parties can make the situation a lot worse. Uh, it looks like you might be you know, deflecting accountability and responsibility. So again, it starts making you look uh, guilty or that you're hiding something if you're not responding quickly. 
It doesn't matter whether the crisis happens on the federal level or in the private sector. Does that affect how quickly a company or organization respond to a crisis? No, I don't think so. I think, uh, and it doesn't really matter, I think from the size of the organization or even the industry that you're in, I think the principles pretty much apply across the board that you need to be prompt and that you need to be thinking ahead of time and you need to have a, a crisis plan in place. Uh, it, it's going to be very difficult to kind of, you know, a, a tackle a crisis situation when you don't really know, you know, who the players are going to be, who's going to be your spokesperson and what you're going to say, when you're going to say it, how you're going to say it. it. You have to have all those things kind of thought out ahead of time. And that's where crisis planning really has an advantage. It, it really kind of gets you thinking about, you know, what could go wrong in this organization? What could blow up to create a brand emergency? What could crater our, our organization? So um, anticipating those kinds of things, uh, I think, is going to be uh, absolutely critical for any organization of any size, whether you're in government, nonprofit, or, uh, or uh, corporate. So to that point, uh, what steps should organizations take now to help guarantee that they will respond to a crisis in an appropriately time, timely manner? Well, first thing you need to do is start thinking about, you know, what are those situations that could bubble up that could really affect us? Um, and, you know, what what kind of response would we have to those kinds of situations? I think once you kind of identify what those issues are or what the potential situations could be, you need to kind of rank them as to what's the most likely thing that could happen and what could create the most damage to us. And then start kind of building out a plan which identifies, you know, um, what your response would be, um, how you're going to communicate with your various stakeholders, um, you know, what your timelines are going to be, um, you know, and you have all of this kind of in, the, in a plan that everybody uh, in your senior leadership has uh, seen and bought into, and also that the plan has been tested. It's also been run by your legal counsel so that they can kind of buy into what you're suggesting, because one of the biggest problems that you could face in a, in a crisis situation is your attorneys are basically saying, you know, don't say anything for liability issues or liability concerns. The communications team is saying you need to really get out in front of this and start commenting senior leadership is probably going to buy into what the lawyers are saying more than the communicators. So if you have that plan in place and the, and the legal team is bought into it, you're not going to have those kind of issues, I think, bubbling up when the situation occurs. Well, given all the members of a crisis response team who might have to be involved in responding to a crisis, it sounds like uh, the response could uh, be, a, be the equivalent of a team sport. You got everyone, I have to have everyone moving quickly and in the right direction. How do you impress upon all members of a crisis response team the importance of, uh, of responding quickly? Well, again, the uh, you know that the fact that their their uh, operations could be affected, or that the company as a whole could be affected, or that we may not even be in business, you know, in another week or month or you know six months because of this situation. I think when you're first laying it out to those team members, you, you know, you're going to talk to them about what could go wrong in your area of operation. Who would be the person who would be the expert in this situation to comment on on this, whether it's a cyber breach or or a, you know product recall, whatever they get buy-in because they're contributing to the plan. So, you know, that reduces the chance that there's going to be infighting when the actual emergency takes place. Can you cite some current examples in the government and private sectors of organizations that either responded too quickly or too slowly or responded at the pace that they should have? 
Well, definitely. And when you look back a year or two ago, when you're looking at the COVID response that the government had, there was a lot of mistakes. Um, they didn't get out in front of it quickly. There was a lot of misinformation. Um, it became a very political issue as opposed to a healthcare issue. Um, the healthcare experts were being questioned. Um, you know, there was just a, a, a lot of speculation. I think uh, the delays in communication not only cost credibility to the government, but it actually cost lives. Uh, so I, to me, that was one of the biggest failures of the, of, of the cover, uh, COVID, government's COVID response. Do you have any observations about how quickly the Department of Defense responded to the recent discovery of leaked documents? I think that they've done it a pretty decent job uh, of getting out in front of it. They've talked about it. They basically said, you know, and the president's come out and said, you know, this is important and we're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to figure out who was responsible and, and make them accountable, um, that they're going to put measures in place to make sure that these kinds of things don't happen in the future. I think where the breakdown has occurred is that the Pentagon has basically come out and said, oh, we're shocked. How, how could this happen? And I think it's a lack of accountability. I think it's a, a lack of uh, uh, anticipating, you know, that this could occur. Um, you know, I, it, it's hard to fathom that they wouldn't have it built it into their crisis planning scenario that what if this were to occur, what would we do? And um, so I think that's been a, a colossal failure um, because they just they just look bad. They look really bad in that sense. What about in the private sector? Do you think that Norfolk Southern responded in a timely manner to the derailment of railroad cars in Ohio? No, <laughs> I do not. I think they uh, basically tried to, to kind of put it over, I think, on the media and the public, just trying to say, oh, well, you know, we are always conscious of safety and we're always interested in protecting, you know, our communities. But I think they did a very bad job. They didn't respond promptly. They didn't answer the, the questions that the media were posing to them. I think the community basically was saying, you know, something different than what the uh, what the railroad was saying, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, this could be contained. And then the public and the people who are in those communities are saying, well, you know, our drinking water, um, you know, there's people getting sick. I don't think those issues were addressed properly, and I don't know that they did everything they could do, and I don't know that they are uh, have really completed, you know, their mission there. Uh, and what what have they articulated that they're going to change to prevent this from happening in the future? I, I, I haven't seen that. How do you think organizations should account for the timeliness factor in their crisis management plans? Oh, yes, there absolutely needs to be a sense of urgency. And, uh, you know, the uh, I think the, the first piece of this is is kind of having an understanding of what the but that issue is or what's bubbling up under the surface. I think if you're doing a proper job of monitoring what's going on in the world around you, um, you can anticipate some of these things. And then when you discover that, that there's something there, um, being able to, to move quickly and being able to get senior leadership involved, get your crisis team activated. So there really does need to be that sense of urgency in the development of the plan. It needs to be in the plan itself and basically explaining exactly why you need to be out there. Um, not everybody's a crisis expert. I mean, you may be in a firm of 50 people. You may have a plan in place, um, but what if that uh, plan has never been tested? What if that plan, was never? we never even thought that this could happen here? So if you're not even looking at these issues, you're not thinking about it. If you're not monitoring, you're not testing these things to see what your response will be, you're probably going to fail when the situation really does arise. And how do you think corporations and agencies that conduct crisis management response exercises 
How should they address the time issue in their crisis response scenarios? Well, when they're doing their testing, they, again, need to be able to think about like how fast are the, are folks responding. So trying to think of in a real world situation where you're doing desktop testing or where you're doing a full blown drill, you know, you need to be measuring this kind of stuff. You need to be looking at how fast people are re- actually responding and where the breakpoints are so that when you come back and test it again, you can actually fix those things. Um, when you actually have a crisis, are you tracking all of those things? Are you going to be able to see, you know, where the breakpoints were so that, you know, when the next thing comes along, have you been prepared? How did you address it? What did we need to fix to address the next time an emergency comes up? Rick, how important is it to have a active imagination and to be creative when thinking through worst case scenarios and the best way to respond in a timely manner to those scenarios? Well, yes, you really got to start thinking about, you know, what could really go wrong here? Let's say, for example, it's going to be a natural disaster. Can you anticipate that, you know, this facility is going to be rendered obsolete or, you know, useless? Um, Could the entire electrical grid go down? What impact would that have uh, on our operations? I think a lot of companies prepare for, you know, like the the operational side of, of a contingency. I don't think they really think about the communication side of the emergency. So in that response situation, they're like, okay, well, we can move operations to South Carolina, but who's articulating what they're actually going to do? Who's telling their employees? Who's telling their partners? Who's telling the media? Who's telling your regulators, legislators, whatever? I think all of those things need to be thought of ahead of time and they need to be integrated into their crisis response. Um, It's too late once the disaster occurs for you to start thinking about what should we be doing now? you know, I, I talk to this point a lot with especially small businesses. You know, you might have a company that's 100 employees or 50 employees. And I think there's this kind of um, belief that a disaster can't happen here because we're a small organization. You know, we run a pretty tight ship. Nothing could really go wrong. But I think what they don't realize is that a disaster is not going to happen between nine and five on a Monday to Friday. It could happen at 3 a.m. on a Sunday when the CEO is on vacation in France and nobody can track him down well, what are you going to do when that situation happens? And I think that's what they need to anticipate. So having an imagination like that, thinking about those kinds of things is really important. You know, start thinking about especially what could happen in social media because it doesn't even have to be something that you created. It may not even be something you did. It could just be misinformation uh, that's bubbling up. Somebody just started a rumor. So are you monitoring those sort of things? What kinds of things could people say that could really have an effect on your organization? What would your response be? You know, if something blows up on TikTok, are, are you going to be able to respond? And if so, are you prepared to respond on that platform? You know, being able to respond through a, a press release may not necessarily address the needs of the people who are TikTok followers. So are you delivering the right message in the right place at the right time? If you haven't prepared for it, probably not. So does when and how and where a crisis unfold, how does that affect how quickly you need to respond to it? Obviously, social media, it's almost you have to respond uh, real time, as opposed to, say, if you get a a request from a a newspaper and they're on deadline for a story that's going to run tomorrow. Uh, Does that provide any sense of urgency to people to prepare or does that give them a false sense of security that they might have more time? 
I think with social media, I think it says a lot of people perhaps into a panic um, and they may not understand the difference between an issue and a, and a, and a crisis. Um, they might mistake something that might be bubbling up, but may not turn into a, a full blown crisis uh, and try to tackle it. Um, if they try to address it on social media, uh, maybe it's somebody who has really very small following and it's really not something that's real. They could actually give that person credibility and credence. And now all of a sudden it does become an issue. So I think they really not read to think ahead of time about what they would do on social media and who's going to be responding. And are you responding in the platform where you found that message? You know, that's going to be critical because it, again, if you're finding it on one platform and you're talking about it over here, these people over here may not go over there to see what's going on. So if you're on TikTok and that's where the situation is, you need to be over there talking about it. Same thing on Twitter. Um, and, and Twitter, as you know, has become kind of a cesspool for, for misinformation and disinformation. So, you know, having a, a system in place to monitor that kind of stuff is going to be critical. I think the other thing I'm seeing, too, as far as a trend is, is moving away from having your plan as a, something you stick in a binder and stick on a shelf. I think we're moving more towards, you know, mobile apps and being able to have, um, you know, that information available on your phone, on your laptop, uh, on your iPad so that everybody can be communicated to at once. Um, so especially in a remote environment like this, having people be able to get that information, also being able to update that information uh, a lot faster uh, with a mobile application as opposed to the binder, which may take a lot longer to update. So uh, being able to send that message out. Um, being able to get the right information to the right people who need to be able to talk about the crisis situation uh, is going to be critical. So I think we're going to see more and more of that happening and less and less of uh, the print binder kind of uh, plans that you've seen in the past. For those in our audience that uh, have not had to deal with a crisis or might not even have uh, prepared a crisis management plan, can you uh, take a deeper dive into what you said earlier in terms of the difference between an issue and a crisis? How will those who have never had to deal with a crisis know the difference and know what's important? Well, I think two of the, the biggest things as far as the difference is the, the emotional impact um, that the situation could uh, cause. Uh, and, you know, what's the potential impact? Who, who's going to be affected by this? Um, you know, if it maybe it only affects one or two people, maybe it's, it's not going to be as big of an issue. If it's going to affect a lot of people and it's going to be very emotionally charged. I think that's something you really start thinking about, because I think a lot of people, especially on social media, are not operating on facts. They're operating on emotion. Um, so we need to be able to address those. Things. When it comes to preparing crisis response scenarios, how do companies and organizations build into that response um, the timeliness factor? Well, I think um, by having, um, you know, the right people in place and being able to identify exactly, you know, what needs to happen. So this is the sequence of events that's going to occur. So who this is the person or persons who can activate the crisis response team. This is what we're going to do first. This is what we're going to do second. This is what we're going to do third. Um, so that, that needs to be built right into the, into the plan itself. Companies and organizations can learn from various industries and professions on the best practices for responding to a crisis. And certainly the world of sports has a lot to share and a lot of good lessons to learn from. What's happened recently, for example, in the NFL in terms of their response to a crisis that could be instructive for our audience? 
Well, if you look back to January of uh, 2023 and that game between the Bills and the Bengals, um, you know, uh, uh, DeMar Hamlin was making a tackle. Uh, it got up from the tackle and then all of a sudden fell over and then was in the cardiac arrest. Uh, within about 10 seconds, the Bills trainers were out there and the physicians were treating him. Within about five minutes, there was an ambulance there. Now, the NFL has an emergency response plan and they actually activated the response plan. Um, but people who were watching the game didn't know that. Um, so it was still another maybe 20 minutes later before the Bills coach sent his players to the locker room. It wasn't until about almost uh, 10 o'clock before the league actually announced that the game was going to be postponed. So even though the NFL received uh, rave reviews for the response um, on the medical side of things, they took a beating, I think, for um, that delay of announcing that the game was going to be postponed. There was still a lot of speculation, especially the media that was covering it. ESPN was basically saying, you know, is this game going to continue? They had the cameras in the locker room. You see the uh, referees talking to the coaches and the players just heading to the locker room. It was kind of a mess. And I think, you know, a couple of weeks later, I think some of that was kind of forgotten by the public. But I think initially during the game when it was taking place, there was a lot of negative commentary about the NFL, about the commissioner. Why didn't they react faster? Why didn't they just cancel the game instead of talking about, you know, well, we'll, we'll restart it after, you know, uh, a delay? I think, uh, you know, they could have done a much better job communicating. I'm afraid we're almost out of time today, but before we go, I'd like to ask you, what's the most important takeaway you'd like to leave with our listeners? That, uh, well, that a crisis can occur at any time, and you always got to be diligent. You got to be thinking about what could go wrong, how, how you're going to respond to it, and, and uh, are you prepared? Well, thanks for joining me today, Rick. I appreciate it. That's it for this edition of Crisis Ahead. My guest today was Rick Alcantara, a crisis communication expert. Be sure to come back next week for more advice and insights on preparing for, managing, and recovering from a crisis. Or subscribe to Crisis Ahead wherever you get podcasts. Each week, I interview government officials, corporate executives, and experts who share their advice and insights about preventing, managing, and recovering from a crisis. Recent guests have included Jay Johnson, the former secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. I've also interviewed Isabella Guzman, the administrator of the Small Business Administration and officials of the Department of Defense and the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Future episodes will focus on such wide-ranging topics as the role trust can play when preparing for and responding to a crisis, how to document and learn from a crisis, and measuring an organization's vulnerability to a crisis. And be sure to read my articles about crisis-related issues, news and topics on Forbes.com, where I'm a leadership strategy senior contributor. Remember, it's not a matter of if a crisis will hit your organization or company, it's when. And the sooner you're prepared for it, the better. Produced by HeartCast Media.